1: Time now for the Church of the Week, showcasing churches and pulpit ministries from across the greater San Francisco Bay Area.
2: Well, today we have a very special guest joining us, and one that perhaps will be quite familiar to many listeners. He is the Senior Pastor of New Hope Christian Fellowship in Hayward, also Associate Supervisor for the Western Regional District on behalf of the Church of the Foursquare Gospel, best-selling author, in fact, two books Under His Belt, Conquer or Be Conquered, and Coffee with God, A 40-Day Journey with God. Pleased to have joining us now the Senior Pastor of New Hope Christian Fellowship, Pastor Timothy Russell. And Pastor Russell, always a delight to spend some time in fellowship with you.
3: And and I feel the same, always a delight to be with you, Craig. It's a great uh, time when I'm talking with you.
2: You are a, a hard man to keep track of. What they, <laughs> My grandmother used to say he doesn't stand still long enough to let any grass grow underneath his feet. Uh, it, it is amazing in which not only are you involved there with a vibrant and growing congregation as part of New Hope Christian Fellowship, your wife, Vanessa, whom many listeners are also familiar with, is involved in full-time ministry with Love Never Fails. And in addition to that, you're also involved in... I guess to the greatest degree not just entrepreneurial training for up and coming business people that can learn how to harness their talents and skills and abilities for both the glory of the kingdom as well as their own personal advancement and, and creating vibrant businesses but but really in a sense uh, the, the broader ministry of workplace or Marketplace Evangelism. So it's almost difficult to know where to start in a conversation with you because there's so much to start with. So maybe we'll just begin at the beginning. Give us a bit of your background, if you would, Pastor. Where did you grow up, and what doors did God open up that led you into full-time ministry?
3: Well, I was born in Turkey, the country of Turkey. My dad was a military uh, and the, he was in the military. He was in the Air Force. And I'm a military brat. And I was born in that country. And I, to this day, have dual citizenship with Turkey and the United States because I was born off base. So this, as soon as I got back on base, I became a citizen of the United States. So I love that, that, you know, um, I was born there and have some roots there uh, as well as in the United States. So I, you know, I was born in Turkey and then we lived in Taiwan for three years and then ended up in the states uh, where I he was in school and graduated from school I thought Craig I was just going to the NFL I thought I was a football player that was my choice even though I was raised in ministry my dad was uh, a pastor in in uh, the Church of God in Christ um my mom was known as like the black mother Teresa you know and it's like we had so much going on uh, in our households we were we were literally raised with serving 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 people serving our community serving our church family that it just as a part of my dna you know we were always busy doing something for somebody else and i think that's the key there always busy doing something for somebody else so it just became the fabric of who i who i am today and You know, but again, I thought I was going to be a football player. Uh, I love playing football, went on and played football at Humboldt State uh, from high school. And I just thought that this is it. But the call of God on my life was greater than my own desires. And I yielded to that call and said, hey, let me pursue the gospel in my life the way God has pursued me and I and I've been running ever since you know I think I've been raised for this moment I've been taught for this moment I've been commissioned for this moment in ministry and in the and in the marketplace like you just said and I'm just excited about the strength that God gives me and my wife and my family to do his work
2: and you know in a very real way that that sense of some people call it giving back or reinvesting in the community I'd, I'd like to think of it in a broader sense as sort of the realization of the the great commandment and the great commission coming together, and yes. Jesus spoke of, "Love thy Lord as thy, you know love, love your neighbor as yourself and, 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 and love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, and then to be about the master 's business. In helping to demonstrate God's love for the world by going out into all that world and proclaiming the good news of the Savior of Jesus Christ, that really sort of culminates in this idea that for all of us believers, whether you're the preacher in the pulpit or you're just a believer, sharing your faith with others and building new disciples, right? All about the master's business be a disciple, make a disciple, that really comes down to, the, the, I think, the fundamental understanding of what the Lord has called each and every one of us to do, no?
3: Yeah, I, I agree. I think that we are the only Bible that some people will ever read. Mm-hmm. So we have to be the hands and feet of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We can't just you know, confess him as Lord, we got to possess him as Lord. And we got to literally live our life out in in obedience to his word and his will. And I think what you just said is so important. It's not just in a church building. It's in every area of our lives. And we're not perfect, but I believe the Lord Jesus is guiding us through his Holy Spirit in every area so that we can have the impact that he wants us to have.
2: The secret sauce, of course, so to speak, in that impact is empowerment by the Holy Spirit. Yes. A faith community that is not only faithful in prayer, but strong in the word. Pardon me. And I would think, too, the notion to kind of turn things on the head. Some believers say, well, listen, anytime anybody asks me about my faith, I'm happy to tell them. But there's, I think, a difference between that notion versus what Scripture talks about of us as the church going out into the quote-unquote highways and byways and compelling them to come in, to to live out our faith in such a fashion that, what does Scripture say? They will know we are believers by our love, and to demonstrate that every single day. And and I've got to wonder, as a pastor here in the San Francisco Bay Area for all these years, and both you and your wife, Vanessa, working in the trenches— so to speak, and in some cases, working with folks that are the most downtrodden, abused in many ways. Your wife, of course, for folks who are not familiar in her role with Love Never Fails, has been focusing on the issue of of uh, human trafficking and exploitation for decades now. And and to see the manner in which these are the very people for whom Christ died, that we need to not just sit back and hope that they show up to church some Sunday, but rather to go out and take the message to them. Is that something that the church needs to, do? and when I say the church, I mean the body of believers, that we need to do a better job at, particularly today with all that we see going on in the world around us?
3: Yeah, and, and Craig, you, I think you're hitting it right on the head of the nail. Sin is silent. I know we think it's loud, but it's silent. Suicide is silent. Drug addiction is silent. Um, It's isolated. The enemy isolates us in our sin. and, And we know how to put on a front in front of people. So what God really commissioned me to do years ago, years ago, he said, I want you to go and I want you to shake the bushes and rattle the trees. And whatever falls out, I want you to show them the gospel, teach them the gospel, win them to me. And so I don't believe we can wait because sin will have them stay in the tree and in the bush. But I think as children of God, as the body of Christ, we are commissioned by God to go and make disciples. We are we gotta go to, and, and you know, when it talked about, to the uttermost parts of the earth I know everybody's like I got to get overseas no the uttermost parts of the earth are your earth your earth w- w- your neighborhood your communities your family your yeah if God's calling you overseas and to other nations third world countries to minister the gospel please go but many of us have been just called to the third world community that we live in or our church is planted in and that's where we need to go shake the trees, rattle the bushes. I mean, literally, and and just whoever falls out, you got to know God is is pricking on their heart for them to be one to the kingdom. Um, and if we're consistent in that, if we're consistent and we're going and we're constantly going, then we'll be doing the will of God in regards to winning souls to the kingdom.
2: And I'm so glad you underscored that, because, you know, I think of the passage of Scripture, when it speaks to, when I was in jail, you visited me. When I was hungry, you gave me to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me to drink. And of course, ultimately, the the, the disciples said, well, Master, when did we do all these things? Well, what, whenever you did so unto the least of these, you did so unto me. That, that, that gives us a sense, I think, of the, the hierarchy of that kind of ministry. But I think it's interesting to note that in every one of those examples— um, they are all adverbs. They are action words. It is the going, the sending, the doing. You went to jail. You brought me to eat. You clothed me. Faith in action for people to see not just Jesus in us as we preach him crucified as the substitutionary work on the cross taking our punishment so that through his Sacrifice, we might be forgiven and ultimately reconciled to the Father. But to also see an active church that demonstrates concern for felt needs, be it providing clothing to the naked man or water to the thirsting man so that and i and i always find it interesting that whenever we look at examples of of Jesus's ministry here on earth we see that as he went and the disciples traveled from town to town and village to village he stopped and he brought sight to the blind he yep. restored a, a man's capacity to 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 walk again if he was lame things of this sort christ demonstrated concern for the felt needs as a way of showing love demonstrating who he was and then of course right on the heels of that explaining why he came and of course, delivering ultimately that, that, that key message of the gospel. You think that's something the church needs to do a better job of in terms of that, that proactive sense of showing up, going and doing.
3: Well, and, and you just preached a message. You gave me a sermon. I'm preaching that. I'm just telling you right (laughs) now, Craig, I'm preaching that because this is the key. Our authority is in him. Um, in what he did that we duplicate. And I think that we're wondering why people are not getting healed at our church services um, as frequently as we desire, as people are, the sight are, the, the the eyes are not being opened, the blinded eyes, the, the deaf ears are not being opened, the, the dead are not being raised. And we're wondering, man, I, I wonder why that's not happening because we're waiting for them to come rather than going. I believe, and 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 this is an ego thing. This is an ego thing, and I can talk as a pastor. We want it to happen in our buildings so that our membership grows. But going has nothing to do with membership. Going into the communities and winning people to the Lord Jesus Christ has nothing to do with membership. If it's at our buildings, we say, oh, see how great we are, see how anointed we are, you need to come here and tell somebody to come here. It's not about membership when it comes to the kingdom. When we win souls, we're winning souls to the kingdom. Kingdom, not our church. And so... When we go, we're going to experience more healing in the streets than we do at our church.
2: Let's spend a moment and talk about what God is doing through New Hope Christian Fellowship. You meet, of course, in Hayward at 22 110 Montgomery Street and service times in person and online, Sundays at 10 a.m. and then Wednesday night prayer and Bible study at 6 30 p.m. Folks want to get more information about the ministry, of course, online at the church website. I'll share that with you in just a moment. But But boy, when they go there, they'll find out this is an active, vibrant community that literally has something for everyone. Tell us more about the life there at New Hope Christian Fellowship.
3: Well, I want to first thank every leader um, that's running those ministries. Me and my wife are not running them. We're we're blessed to be overseeing them. We're blessed to be speaking into um, the leaders' lives and praying for them as they do it. Um, um, our, our, our wide expansion is because of the leadership that we have there from our children and youth ministries to our celebrate recovery ministries to our dental and medical bands that come through our outreach. Um, uh, we currently through feed my sheep feed 110 people with hot meals every Tuesday night, um, at new hope. And then we hand out about 160 food boxes between Tuesday and Friday to the community. Uh, and that's happening not because of Tim and Vanessa, that's happening because of the leadership, um, the, the leadership of Janae Shepard, the leadership of Catalina Vaughn, the leadership of Anthony and Rachel Carrasco. We have great executive pastors in Raul and Deborah Rico, um, a great team of uh, leaders that are assisting me and Randy and Crystal Rasmussen, and many others. Um, I mean, you name it, from Yvonne Wilson to um, you know, to Hartford Ho. We are blessed to have um, so many different leaders that are working diligently to help us do what we're doing. Erica McCardo in the youth, children's ministry, Byron Kohlberg in the youth ministries. It's happening because of them, it's happening because they're all committed to prayer. Um, we have an online chat minister now, and Michelle Pierre, who just literally stays online during our services um and just it's feeding the information to those that are watching online and saying hey did you hear that did you hear that did you hear that did you hear that and it's just an awesome thing it's so much going on that a lot of times me and my wife sit back and go we didn't know that was going on praise <laughs> god <laughs> <laughs> and that's how i love it because ministry should be bigger than the pastor it should if the ministry is not bigger than the pastor and the pastor is bigger than the ministry Let's go back to the altar, get on our knees, and figure out where we went wrong, because the ministry should always be bigger
2: than the pastor. A a, a church, I think, that thrives will be very much personality-centric, but the personality is not the one in the pulpit, even necessarily the ones in the pews. The personality that it needs to focus and be centered upon is Jesus Christ. And as we talked about earlier, if we've got that in balance and we're faithful to him— we're diligent at reading the word and living the word. God will take care of all the rest. The Holy Spirit will bless it. Good measure pressed down, shaken together, and uh, exciting to see certainly what God is doing through the variety of ministries and, and the body of believers overall at New Hope Christian Fellowship. Again, I'll mention service times are Sunday mornings, worship in both in person and online at 10 a.m., Wednesday night. Bible study beginning with prayer at 6.30 p.m. And the church is at one ten Montgomery Street in the city of Hayward. For more information, you can call area code 510-537-6230. That's 510-537-6230. Or online at NHCF. Think New Hope Christian Fellowship. NHCFonline.org. Pastor Timothy Russell, Pastor Russell, always a privilege to spend some time with you. Thanks so much for carving some time out of your day to share with us today.
3: Thank you. It's always a pleasure, Craig. We've been talking about kingdom, 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 and we're going to keep talking about kingdom. We've been talking about surviving the times and how we survive the times, how we survive the times is through our understanding of kingdom, through our understanding of what God has said. We learned the truth the other week when we learned this, that Jesus didn't come to die. Dying was a part of the plan. He came and had to die. There's a difference. He didn't come to die. He came because he Had to die. Why? Because he came to reestablish the kingdom unto us. All right. A child is born. A son is given. And it goes on to say, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, which means he's coming with the government of God to do what? To reestablish the kingdom. See, we made the kingdom to be about a whole bunch of other stuff, but the kingdom is literally about the dominion and authority that God wanted from the very beginning for you and I. As it is in heaven, it is on earth. All right. So we found out that he came to reestablish the kingdom and, and he realized that he had to die to do away with what hindered us from walking in the authority and the dominion of the kingdom. Now, I want you to see this because we have determined, church folk, have determined that sin has these different categories that we put them in. But let me really give you a simple definition of sin. Sin, which separates us from God, which means it separates us from the understanding of who we are. Oh, write that down, man. See, because when we hear "separated from God," it's like God's over there and I'm over here. No, what it is is it separates us from the understanding of who we are. Who we are. It gives us a different truth to live by. I know. I've been. I've lived all my life by different truths, and those truths came to me by culture. They came to me by things that have happened to me. They've come to me by, you know, things that people have said to me. They've come through brokenness or a broken home. I've lived by a truth. So underline that word a there, because the scripture says you will know the truth not a truth, but the truth and the truth will set you free. So I realized that I was living in certain bondages and living beneath my privilege because everything that I was doing was established on a truth. The scripture says, and you will know the truth and the truth will do what? Set you free. So I realized I was bound because I was living in a truth. Now, this, this is the crazy thing. The truth that I was living in. And I'm so good to see my my brother, Mike, here, musical genius. I, I have to say that he's just sitting in the back trying to be incognito. Good to see him. But we grew up in certain truths. Based on our environment, based on what we had gone through, based on what our parents had gone through. And those truths were realities. Let me say that again they're realities. don't let nobody tell you that what you've gone through and what you're going through isn't a reality it is but God says there is a truth the truth that supersedes your truth oh man see when 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 God came into the garden and Adam and Eve was they were hiding he said why are you hiding he said because we were we're naked that was a truth Right. but he said who told you you were naked you've always been naked <laughs> it wasn't just you had this moment where you decided to take off all your clothes you were always naked but who gave you a truth that now you're living by because the A truth that you're living by has you hiding from... Oh, man, I wish somebody would get this. Because we've always walked through the garden and I've been teaching you the paths of life and you've been naked all this time. So what happened where now you're living in fear of me so sin let me give you the simple definition I said I was going to give it to you let me give it to you sin is simply missing the mark That's right. Timothy oh, my God. <laughs> oh he's in sin because he's committing adultery oh he's in sin because do you know that it is sin when we don't walk in dominion and authority Can I say it again? Do you know it is sin when we're not walking in dominion and authority? That when we are walking in fear, it's sin because we're missing the mark. And instead of surviving the times, we're dying in the times, we're bound in the times, we're depressed in the times, we're anxious in the times, we're fearful in the times, we're angry in the times, we're irritated in the times. Why? Because we're living according to a truth, not the truth. And it's a reality. When I was sick, I had Erica just accepted a truth. I'm gonna die. I literally said, I'm man, this is it. And because I had accepted a truth, I began to prepare. Oh, me and Pastor O and Pastor Deborah were talking about, about certain things this morning because a truth will cause you to think different. I I I was literally creating a plan. Because I believed a truth. See, somebody told you you're nothing. You believed a truth. So you've gone through life accepting anything. (laughs) So I accepted that I was going to die. So guess what I did? I hung up a suit in the closet and said, "Okay, I don't want my wife to have to worry about finding a suit. So here's the suit I want to wear. Uh I cut my hair. I told her she got mad at me. I said, I'm casket ready. Literally, this was my language. See, see, a truth will give you a different language. Yes. I, I I didn't realize it, but I was missing the mark. I was living according to a truth rather than the truth. And then I began to hear the truth. Yes. <laughs> the truth I kept hearing was, "You will live and not die." Yes. But as long as I was leaning on a truth, which was, man, this is bad. Man, they can't figure it out. Man, I can't breathe. Man, I'm swelling up. Man, I got a headache all the time. Man, I, I, I even—I'm I, gonna tell you—they'll let you know. I—I I I was fatigued. I—I I, I didn't know what was going to happen, and I had accepted a truth, but I kept hearing the truth. But I was positioned at oh man, y'all gotta receive this. I I was positioned at a truth. Yeah. You know what the scripture says, goodness and mercy will follow me. There was a truth, the truth following me everywhere I went, and it kept speaking to me, saying, You will live and not die. Come on. But I stayed sick while I was looking at a truth. Yeah. But look at my ankles, look at my legs, look at my arms, look at my head, look at this. My head was always big, but it was getting bigger. Because <laughs> water was everywhere. I even, let me, let me tell you, I even walked by the nurse's station and, 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 and she looked at me. She says, I'm so sorry. I said, what? She says, oh, it looks bad. And that further deepened me into a truth. But one day, somebody say one day, day. I decided to listen to the truth. And instead of being pointed in the direction of a truth, I turned around and began to look at the truth. And that's when I began to get healed. How did I get healed? How did I get healed? The doctors began to get revelation about what was going on and began to figure out what I needed to do. And when that happened, things began to turn around. But as long as I was pointed at a truth and not the truth, it looked dire. Matthew 16 and 19, look what it says. Digging this for just a few minutes. I just love the Word of God. It just—it's good, ain't it? it it's good eating. Yeah. Matthew sixteen and nineteen says, "I give you the keys, keys." Someone say keys. keys. All right, he says, "I give you the keys. I give you the authority, the authority, the authority of the kingdom of heaven." I give you the authority of the kingdom of heaven. I give you the authority. See, Peter and them, they were having this discussion, and they were having this discussion, and then Jesus steps in and says, who do men say that I am? And G- Peter goes, oh, they say you this, and you say you that, and they say you this, and you say that. He says, okay, Peter, but who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the Living God. And this is where we get it wrong. We says, you know, because Peter's name went rock, and, and, and a lot of times people says, oh, oh, upon Peter, upon Peter being the rock, Jesus established the church. No. Jesus was saying upon your confession that I'm the rock. So this is what I, I begin to realize. I began to realize this, that that what we've done is we built a lot of stuff on man. And then we wonder why it fails. Because we built kingdoms, we built churches, we built ministries, we built uh, uh, groups and, and stuff on man. And then we fall apart when man fails. We get disappointed when man fails because everything that we're doing is built upon them. But Jesus said, no, 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 don't build anything upon them. Build it upon me. All of the ground is what? Sinking. Oh, come on. Let me hear you. All of the ground is what? Hallelujah. But Jesus is the rock that I stand on. So that when storms come, they're coming. When rains come, they're coming. When disappointments come, they're coming. When loss comes, they're coming. When 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 listen when things happen on our job they're coming when things happen in our relationship they're coming when our kids ain't acting right it's going to happen when the car acts up it's going to happen when we're misunderstood it's going to happen when the storms of light begin to rage we're standing on the rock. Standing on the rock. He says, why? Because I give you the keys or the authority of the kingdom of heaven. I give you the keys, keys of the authority of heaven. This confession that they made, this confession that Peter made, the rock, was a foundational truth. So yeah. Jesus says, upon the rock or your confession or upon this foundational
2: truth.
3: Y'all, y'all catch this. Upon this foundational truth, I built my church. So, and the gates of hell. So that means the plans of the, oh man, come on, catch this. The plans of the kingdom of darkness. Well, see, the minute you get blessed, there's a plan against you. And if you have an established what you have on the foundational truth of the word of God, then the storm that comes yeah. will rattle your blessing. Yeah. Because the enemy says, "I want to turn your blessing into a curse. Woo. I want to turn your testimony into a lie Woo. Oh man, come on, come, hallelujah. I want listen, I want to turn what you hold dear to you into an embarrassment. And that's why we're like, oh my God, I never thought. Think of what you say. I never thought that would happen. Why? Because we don't understand the wows of the enemy. We don't understand how he operates. The minute you say I feel good, here he comes because his job is to steal, kill, and. But somebody say, "But Jesus!" Jesus. Oh, that was weak. Say, "But Jesus!" Jesus. Come on, but Jesus! Jesus Jesus declared. He said, "But I came that you might have life, and that much more abundant stuff is going to happen." But when the smoke is cleared, (laughs) woo. When the smoke, you're going to be still left. I used to love Clint Eastwood. You remember the old Clint Eastwood movies that, that when they played that music, that, that that whistle or that sound that just lets you know something was getting ready to happen. It was a bunch of smoke all the time. And, and they were like, okay, we're that? And all of a sudden the smoke began to clear and Clint was standing right there. And he would throw his little, what are they called? Little... Yeah, just a little cloak over his shoulder. And what did he do? He would reveal his weapon. Oh, man, that's spiritual, y'all. Y'all ain't catching that. That's some some spiritual stuff right there, y'all. Listen, when the smoke is cleared, what we have to do is let the enemy know, here's my weapon. You thought I wasn't going to praise through this thing. You you thought I wasn't going to worship through this thing. You thought that thing was going to get me off of my knees. And you didn't realize that when all was done, I was still going to be on my face. Praising the name of Jesus. Because it's not what I got. It's about the fact that he deserves the glory. He deserves the honor. And he deserves the praise. Amen. You thought you you thought you won't stop me from worshiping. <laughs> you thought the corn trouble was gonna stop me from worshiping. You thought the job was gonna stop me from worshiping. I serve a God, Hallelujah, that blesses me going in and coming out. I you know you, we got it I thought you knew. I thought you knew I was the head and not the tail. I thought you knew that I would praise him in season and out. He's brought me out, he's brought me from a mighty long way. That little stuff I'm going through ain't gonna rock my faith. My faith has been solidified in who he is, not in who I am. My faith has been solidified in who he is, not in the church I belong to. My faith has been solidified in the word of God, my truth, the truth. And not a truth. So the confession, the foundational truths, the foundational truths of the See, Jesus said, I'm establishing my kingdom, this kingdom that you have authority in. I'm establishing it in this on principles. Principles. Principles are truths. Principles are what we live by. Oh, man, y'all got to kiss this. They're what we live by. See, God says, I'm not trying to control your life, but I want you to let me be Lord. Because if you let me be Lord, I've already made a provision or a plan for your life. That, I'm not saying in all your ways acknowledge me because I want to be all in your business. I already know your business. I'm not saying always acknowledge me because I want to figure out what you're doing. I know what you're going to do tomorrow while you're still in today. I knew the drug you was going to take. <laughs> I, I, I knew the, the bad relationship you was going to get in. I, I, I knew the house you was going to creep in and out of. I, I knew the lie you was going to tell. I, I knew the, the broken home you were going to have to go through. I, I knew all of that before you went through it. That's why I stood next to you so you could lean on me. Because the enemy wanted to take you out <laughs> through it all. He wanted to take you out. So the reason why I want you to acknowledge me is because I want to let you know if it's lining up with my plans for your life. Remember, the plans that I think about you are good or the thoughts I think about you are good and never evil. And I have a plan to bring you to an expected end. That's why the scripture says these words. He says, listen, all the promises of God in Jesus are yes and amen. Not in Tim. In Jesus. Everything that God wants to do for me and through me is in Jesus Christ. The foundational truth of my faith. Look at that. It's a mindset. So I give you the keys. The authority of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind or forbid or declare to be improper and unlawful. See, when I stood by the sound thing today, I said, "This is um, this is unlawful. This is not proper. This is not right. This is not how it's supposed to be." So I'm commanding you and declaring to you, "Work in the name of Jesus." And that was it. I didn't I didn't tarry. I didn't lay down before it. I didn't do nothing. I just spoke to it. See, see, we think that we can only speak to people and people because people can respond to us. But God says, I've given you authority over all things. <laughs> over everything created. We just don't know we can speak to our gas tank. I dare you to, I dare you to run out of gas. <laughs> and we're going to get home, I dare But instead we get crippled with fear. And what do we utter? I'm going to run out of gas. We declare the wrong thing. And then we wonder why the wrong thing happens because we declared it. We get up and we sneak. Hmm, I think I'm getting sick. Huh? Instead of saying, devil, you a lie. I'm not receiving this sickness right now. We declare it and then we wonder why it happens. Yeah. Me and my husband ain't going to make it. Me and my wife going mad. You're just declaring stuff based on a truth rather than speaking the truth and saying devil you are a liar I'm declaring that this thing is unprom- improper I'm declaring that this thing is unlawful so therefore I'm forbidding it oh 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 last night my son he was just going crazy on the game he was just screaming ah.
0: I was
3: like oh my god he just sounded like Planet of the Apes in there and I didn't go in there and scream at him. I said, "I'm not doing that no more. I'm not. I'm not doing that anymore." Because I go say, "Stop, David. You're going too loud." And then he always says, "Am I too loud?" And I want to throw something at him. <laughs> this ain't working. This dialogue ain't working. So what I did was, from my bed, I said this. I said, "Shut up in the name of Jesus." Yeah. <laughs> I, I did. I said, "I'm be honest with you." I said, "Shut up in the name of Jesus." Okay. I'm serious. About 10 minutes later, he got off the game. So what happened there? Instead of me being frustrated and angry and mad and me and him having an issue, I just declared it. I, 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 forbade us and I forbid him to keep going like this. I'm going to start doing that in my refrigerator for my daughter, Natasha. I forbid you to eat this in the name of Jesus. That's mine. Right. Declaring what's improper, unlawful on earth. Why? Because it has already been declared unlawful in heaven. See, you got You got to see this. You got to see this, man. You got to see this. That that everything that God has for you, He was already declared in the heavens. The problem is, it's not manifesting on earth. And the reason why it's not manifesting on earth is because we're living in a truth. Man, church should be out right there. It should just, be, just they should have to reset the chairs right there. The reason why a lot of things that God has declared in the heavens. Things that you don't even know because we don't spend enough time with him. See, I, I, I want to know, God, what you've declared for me so that I can position my life in accordance to what you've declared. So, God, that's why you said, I want to set a joy before you because the joy set before you, you'll endure the cross. You'll endure the pain. You'll en- you'll survive the times." I want to I want to show you some stuff so that when the enemy comes in like a flood. You'll be able to lift up a standard against the enemy and you'll be able to say to the enemy that doesn't match. See, this is what we do. If I came in here and I didn't match some of you fashion people. Uh, Rachel, you would go. Ah. My wife would go, why are you? Why are you wearing that? That don't match you. You know when it came out with the suits, they had the long, they had the long jackets. Yeah. Man, they would—they look good. I was wearing them. I was like, "My wife, you're too short to wear that. Don't wear that." <laughs> I'm gonna give you some print seals. I refuse. I refuse to receive this shortness in the name of Jesus. But see what we're able to see with our eyes. What doesn't match. Right. Oh, that doesn't match. Oh, don't get that furniture. I'm not getting that. It doesn't match my house. I'm sure Randy had to deal with that with Crystal in this new house. They just moved in or Rachel and Anthony had to deal with that in their new house. Anybody moving into new houses, you go into the new house and you go. What I had don't match. So God says, yeah, it's not that you don't have the ability to see what doesn't match. You haven't tapped into what I have for you. So you know what don't match here. Your focus is on a kingdom and not the kingdom. It's not that you don't have the ability because I created you with the ability. But you haven't tapped in. So when you hear people say, go in, go in, go in. What they're saying is see what God has for you so that you can declare it here. Foundational truth. I want you to know whatever you loose or permit, permit on earth. I want you to know it's already been permitted in heaven. So if keys mean authority, then keys are directly tied to knowledge. Write that down, write that down. Keys are directly tied to knowledge. Keys are directly tied to Knowledge. To know, knowledge is to know. So authority is connected to what I know. If I don't know much, then I don't have much authority. Study to show yourself approved unto God, huh? A workman that knows his authority. I got to know what's lawful and what's unlawful because I've been allowing what's unlawful to reign. Why? Because I'm not in the know. And God says this. God is saying this to you. I just hear this in my spirit. He says, I want you to stop eavesdropping into the kingdom and start and come in. See, to eavesdrop means that you don't think you have the right to come in and listen. So a lot of us have been eavesdropping. Why? Because we don't know our place. What are they saying? That's why we're just, this this is our position. We're always like this. We're always coming to the altar. I need to come to the altar so I can eavesdrop (laughs) on the kingdom and hear what God has for me. How many come to the altar and and, and someone says something to you and you go, ah, man, God showed me that last night. God said that to me. Instead we go, wow. We're eavesdropping rather than walking in. God says, Jesus died, and as we learned last week, the veil was torn into two, from the top to the bottom, for you to come boldly in. I'm coming into the kingdom and to hear what God has for me, okay? All right, so keys mean authority, and authority is directly tied to Knowledge. In Luke, the 11th chapter, and, and I want to deal with something for just a moment, just in, in just a minute. In the 11th chapter, Jesus begins to have an 11th chapter and in, in, in around the 48th, going all the way down to the 52nd verse. Jesus begins to have issues with the lawyers and Pharisees. He goes to dinner with them. He goes to dinner with them because they invite him to dinner and he walks in and he sits down and he doesn't wash his hands. And they and they had an issue with that. They said, wait a minute. How dare you come in here and not wash your hands? Because that's our custom. Jesus, said, I came to destroy customs. He said, I, I came to mess with customs. I came to do away with customs. I came to to reestablish some new things, because he says this in the 52nd verse, he says, you're hopeless, and you're in trouble. Why? This is what he's telling the and the, and the and the Pharisees. You're in trouble. Why? Because you took away the keys of knowledge from the people. To do what? To control them. They don't know what to do unless you tell them what to do. You took away the keys of knowledge from them, but I came to reestablish the authority of God. The kingdom of God is at hand. And, and what you have controlled is about to be released. See, that's why there was pandemonium and, and, uh, on, on the day of Pentecost. That was oh, not on the day of Pentecost, when he came into the city. There was pandemonium and they were tearing down trees and throwing off their clothes. Because Jesus was unlocking them from rituals, ceremonies. Why didn't we have... Communion on the first Sunday. What's going on? (laughs) He said as often as you do it. So we decided to do it on Wednesday. Oh, oh, I I was ready to put on my white. Why? Because we've positioned all of our salvation around rituals. We didn't pray before we opened up. You should always be praying and not fainting. Oh, you didn't pray over your food. Mm. We've created rituals and those rituals are keeping us saved. No, 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 no. The foundational truth, Jesus was saying to them, you took away the keys of knowledge. Now, just this week, this is where I want to really just share this with you. Just this week, I've been cleaning out my office. And many of you know that during the, the pandemic, my office was the storage unit. I just said, throw it in my office, throw it in my office, just throw it in my office, just throw it in my office. I kept telling people, just throw it in my office, just throw it in my office. And everything was in my office. And I went in there as we're getting to to open up. I says, man, this has got to change. My mind shifted and anybody knows me, you know, I got a certain way about me. It can't happen. But while the pandemic was going on, I just accepted it. I said, oh, this is what it is. Throw it in my office. Now I'm like, hey, we got to clean this up. And as I was cleaning up. I realized and on my desk right now, it's a bunch of keys. But Erica, I have no clue where the keys go to. And because I don't know where the keys go to. I don't have access to what it unlocks. Y'all going? So I'm missing out on what's behind the door. That's locked with a key that I don't even know where it goes. There's a car key on my desk. I don't know what car it goes to. There's little keys that let me know that's for locks and that are locking some stuff up. I don't know what lock it unlocks. There are door keys. I don't know which door they go to. So there's a bunch of keys on my desk that I have no clue about. So I'm not in the know and because I'm not in the know, I can't appreciate what that key will give me. When he says, I've given you the keys to the kingdom, he's saying, I've given you access to knowledge to know all the things, somebody say all the things. things. Come on, say all the things things." that God has for you. From this day forward, you're no longer going to make bad decisions because your decision is going to be based on what you know. Because the reason why the decision was bad is because you based it on what you didn't know. But I'm getting ready to unlock some things. I'm getting ready to give you access so that you know what's lawful and what's unlawful. What God has already bound in heaven, what God has already loosed in heaven so that you can come in agreement with God. Oh my God. God said, I want you to be the head and not the tail. But the reason why you're not is because you don't know. Yeah. Jesus says this in John 15. He says, Listen, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. And, and he defined it the reason why I'm calling you friends is because a servant man receive this a servant does not know what the master's doing a servant has the eavesdrop on what the master is doing and saying but I'm calling you friend which means I'm giving you access to come in to do what? to know to know because once you know then you know how to plan David said teach me lessons teach me lessons God give me knowledge so that I might live oh so if I don't know your lessons and I don't know your knowledge then I'm not living I'm existing any existers in the house? Anybody spent a lot of your life existing and you're ready to live? I'm ready to live according to the plans of God for my life. I'm ready to listen. He says, I don't call you servants, I call you friends because the master wants you to know everything. everything. Everything that pertains to your life. See, when I begin to realize this and come into the knowledge of the truth, then I begin to realize that God does not want to hold back anything from me. He wants me to know everything. I want my children to know everything that they can handle. God wants us to know everything that we can handle right now at this stage of our life. He wants us to know those things that are not good, those things that are are good, those things that are dangerous, those things that are healthy, those things that will keep us in bondage, those things that will release freedom of our life. God says, "I I want you to know them, but you have to change your mindset of a servant and walk in as a friend. Walk in as an heir an heir of God. So the possessor, this is kingdom rule number one. This is what we're going to deal with for the next couple minutes. Kingdom rule number one is this. The possessor of the kingdom information or knowledge is the possessor of dominion and authority. The possessor, rule number one, the possessor of The kingdom information and knowledge to know is the possessor of dominion and authority. God says, listen, situations will come, but I'll show you the end result. I'll show you the end result. You know, have you ever been in a situation? Have you ever been in a situation where someone's telling you some bad news and they're saying, I don't know. And you just ain't feeling you are like I'm not seeing that. Mm. Remember when, when Claire was on the altar and she was speaking to Lynn and it was some things that we'd already in prayer spoke over her life. But she, speaking, she said, you're not going to have that surgery this week. Let <laughs> me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you Watch this. He said. You're not going to have that surgery this week. So she went back to the hospital and the blood began to flow in her foot. And, and what I realized is this. This is what I realized. It was after the blood began to flow in her foot. She went, got her hair done. See, see, see! If Lynn had really tapped in, she would have got her hair done on a Sunday. Right, right, She would have got her hair done early. She said, I'm getting my hair done before I go to the doctor because I already know what the doctor gonna say. Right, right, right. Before it turns the right color while it's still black, I'm believing what God has already revealed. So let me go already dressed up and ready because I'm not gonna wait. See, that's what the songwriter said. Don't wait till the battle is over. Shout now. Dance now, because in the end, you know you're going to win. See, once you understand the kingdom information and you receive it, then, no matter what's going on around you, because nothing that the devil speaks into your life or speaks around your life can supersede what God has already spoken over your life. Once you have that information, your life is based on, your decisions are based on, everything you do is based on what he has said, not on what you see. Am I living in a truth? Or am I living in the truth?
2: Pastor Timothy Russell, Senior Pastor at New Hope Christian Fellowship of Hayward. Call area code 510-537-6230 or online at nhcfonline.org.
1: This has been the Church of the Week, showcasing churches and pulpit ministries from across the greater San Francisco Bay Area. To nominate your congregation for Church of the Week, please email us the name and address of your pastor and church along with a link to your church's website to salemsf.com. Again, that's the name and address of your pastor and church along with a link to the website and email to salemsf.com. While all submissions will be considered, not every submission is guaranteed airtime. Thank you for joining us today and be sure to tune in again next week at this time for the Church of the Week.